Welcome to Heartland Church. It is our prayer that as you listen to the following message, you would experience the heart of God for your life. For more information about our ministry and available resources, visit us on the web at heartlandchurchonline.com. Now, let's join this week's service already in progress. I want you to turn with me very quickly, before we receive the offering, to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Some time back, the Lord spoke to me out of this passage, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9. It is an offering passage, so brace yourself, people. The pastor's up here before offering, and I'm going to open the word. And uh, let me just really, I'll be serious here for a minute. Well, longer than a minute. I'll be serious with you. It, uh, when pastors talk about money, there's times where people get frustrated. I've had people get mad. I've had people leave the church uh, when I've preached on money. The last time I did a series, I had some people really get angry. People emailed me and people, you know, stopped giving. And then some months later, uh, ended up going to breakfast with them because I just sensed something was going on. And they kind of burst out their anger at that message and then left the church. And so uh, I'm going to tell you that that's a crime. It's, it's a shame that in this day and age that this has become such a touchy subject. So I'm going to share with you what Paul says. And uh, here's, here's what my note says. Uh, look at verse 8 of chapter, chapter 8. Verse 8. I am not commanding you. I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. Paul is inviting the Corinthians in on an offering... Uh, to help some people in need. And he was bragging to the Macedonians. He's saying, hey, I'm going to tell you, these Corinthians, they're generous people and they want to give. And previously he says, he says that your, your eagerness, your enthusiasm has caused them to jump in on this thing. He's saying, so it, it, he, was, he was insinuating that generosity can be contagious. That there, and he, he talks about it as a grace. Look at verse 7, the end of verse 7. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge. He's talking about different types of gifts. Uh, there, there's, there's, there's gifts that are gifts of faith. There's gifts that are gifts of speech. And sp- gifts that are, speech, are gifts of knowledge. And he said, in complete earnestness and the love that we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. He says that there's grace for giving, that the power of God, that literally the power of God comes upon us and changes our perspective, changes how we see things, fills us with courage, fills us with generosity, fills us with affection and tenderness towards the needs of others, and we give out of grace. That literally the power of God can come on us to make us givers. And it's one of the marks of God's nature. For God so loved That he gave. The measure of his love was the measure of his giving. And he gave it all. He gave the only thing that he couldn't recreate. His uncreated son. God bankrupt heaven to purchase our salvation. And then he invites us in and says, Now, I want to to invite you in to be like me and to be a giver. To cooperate with the grace of giving. And then he says this, he said, I'm not commanding you, but I, I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. And I want to re- read you what my notes to this passage were. Wow, 
The modern church would have a cow if we were to operate like that. Now, those are the private notes of a pastor I'm letting you in on. Okay? Listen to what Paul said. He wrote to a church he had established. He was a father in the Lord to them. And he said, I want to test the sincerity of your faith by your offering. Finances are an indicator of our spirituality. They really are. There is a direct link between your heart and your wallet. Jesus Jesus said it very clearly. He said, if you're not faithful with unrighteous mammon, who will trust you with the true riches? He's saying that there's a qualifying principle here, that, that one of the entrance exams into the deeper things of God are finances. But yet in our day and age, preachers have to feel like they've got to kind of dance around it because we feel like, man, people are going to you know, accuse us of being money hungry. Paul didn't shy away from it. Add to that the fact that in 2 Corinthians, he's having to address these people who are challenging his apostolic authority. And he, he said to these guys, he said, listen, he said, I may not be an apostle to them, but surely I am to you. He was a father in the faith that established this work. And they were coming against his, his authority. There were people, there were interlopers who had come in and said, ah, you know, Paul, he's, he may believe this and that, but I'm gonna t- we're going to give you the true stuff. And they were carving off part of the flock from Paul. And Paul, it's heartbreaking if you read 2 Corinthians, how Paul had to defend his authority as their spiritual father. It's, it's awkward. It's painfully awkward. We look at Paul as, as this bold leader. You know, you hear people talk about leadership styles, and they always use Paul as this bold leader. But the fact is, in this very book of 2 Corinthians, Paul says that it's said of me that he's bold in his letters, but he's, there's not a whole lot to him when he shows up face to face. He seems more timid and low key as in the insinuation. And Paul says with broken heart, he said, listen, what I am in my letters, I will be face to face in my actions if need be. And it's that same letter where he's having to defend his apostolic authority, his right to speak into their lives as a father, that he pulls out this phrase and said, I'm going to test your sincerity. Through the grace of giving. It's really an astounding thing. And I, I, I'm, I'm concerned for the body of Christ. That's why I'm taking the offering this morning. I didn't plan on doing this. I, didn't, I, I had no intention. It was just during worship. I, I just felt this passage stirring in my heart. But I'm concerned with the body of Christ today. I have, I've been in full-time ministry over 30 years. I've been preaching the gospel going on about 35 years. I started when I was three. Okay, okay. But I've never seen this situation like it is now, where there has been this preaching of grace, which is a, little, is a legitimate message that has infiltrated and gone outside of its boundaries and has begun to be impl- uh, uh, inferred on other things where we're to partner with the gospel. There are areas of the gospel we are purely recipients. I add nothing to what Jesus did. I am a recipient of the finished work of Christ. He took it all upon him. He paid the debt and all I can do is receive. I am a recipient. 
But once I have received and become a child of God, it's then that I am filled with the Spirit. And under the Spirit's ministry, I am a participant. I am a co-laborer. I collaborate with God in the kingdom. And our finances belong to this category. That we collaborate with heaven. And God does look at how we use our finances. He is very concerned with how you use your money. Now, on the one hand, God doesn't need your money. But on another hand, He always operates through men and women. He operates through people. And money doesn't just, well, I've heard of a few miracles. It usually doesn't just appear. It comes through the, the surrendered hearts of His servants. And we have, we're living in a day and age where this preaching on grace has come to the point where all, all kind of partnership in the gospel has become undermined. Where people are no longer participants, where fasting and intercession and giving and sacrificial living and sacrificial giving have been undermined and people put up their hand and say, well, we live under grace. Jesus paid it all. Let me just be blunt. Jesus isn't going to pay the mortgage. You and I are. And we do that as partners in the gospel. And so Paul says, see that you excel in this grace of giving. I'm not commanding you. I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. And he was specifically talking about money when he said that. That's a bold statement. And it it would get a lot of preachers ridiculed on Facebook. I'll check this afternoon if it does the same. I want you to turn with me down to chapter 9. Verse 1, he says, There's no need for me to write to you about this service to the Lord's people, for I know your eagerness to help. I have been boasting about it to the Macedonians, telling them that since last year in Achaia, you were ready to give, and your enthusiasm had stirred most of them to action. So Paul, take, he, he has his spiritual children, these Corinthians, these people that he's poured into and invested in. And he's proud as a, a spiritual papa. And he's saying, hey, you want to know what my Corinthian sons and daughters, this, this church over here, man, they are, they are big givers. And they've seen a need and they're going to rally to the cause. And it stirred up some others to action and this grace began to be contagious. And now the Macedonians wanted to give and there's this stirring. But then Paul stops and he swings back around. And he said, but now I'm going to send someone to you because I don't want my bragging to be in vain. That'd be an embarrassment to both of us. I want to make sure you're going to follow through on this thing is what he's saying. And then if you're reading in the NIV like I am this morning, there's a big heading over verse 6. And what follows, it says, generosity encouraged. Listen to what he says. And this is, make no mistake about it, this is an offering message by the Apostle Paul. Okay? Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. This is New Testament. This is not Old Testament. We can't say, well, that's under the Old Covenant. That doesn't apply to me. This is a principle of the kingdom. Matter of fact, I would tell you that we are in danger of losing many kingdom principles by relegating the Old Testament to irrelevancy. 
saying, well, we're not under the law. No, we're not under the law. But the law was a revelation as much as the New Testament is. And the, the law, the revelation of the law gives us principles. And I've been in the Old Testament all week, not in regards to finances, but in regards to another subject. And I found myself weeping and just under the fear of the Lord and just blown away this week again and again, just just having to push my Bible aside and just under awe, just feeling the presence of God coming on me, the things I've discovered about the kingdom in the Old Testament. And the enemy would love to convince us that the Old Testament has nothing for us. When in actuality, it's full of revelation for kingdom living. It's a revelation of how the kingdom works. But we get in through the new covenant for free. And we come in and we participate with him according to all these principles. And so he goes on to say, and remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each one of you should give what you have decided to in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. Now, you've heard preachers say it. I've said it. You know, God loves a cheerful giver, but he'll take from a grouch too. But the fact is, there is something that Paul is trying to tell us. That don't do so begrudgingly. Don't do under compulsion. Give as an act of worship. Give with a, a joyful heart because there's something of the attitude in the giving that makes it all that more sweet to heaven. So it says, God loves a cheerful giver. So don't do it under compulsion. Don't do it reluctantly. Don't feel like you're pushed or pulled. But do it out of a cheerful heart. Verse 8, and God is able to bless you abundantly. So listen to this. In all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. Man, that's a big statement. Let's read that again. And God is able to bless you abundantly. So that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. And then listen to what he says. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. It's a fascinating verse. It says that they've scattered their gifts and their righteousness endures. It connects gifts given and righteousness that erupts in our life. And if you think, you think, well, pastor, I think you're, you're, you're taking it a little far. Look at verse 10. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and enlarge your harvest of righteousness. So here's the picture. So he says there that we have seed to sow and bread to eat. And he's, the context here is finances, okay? We all have some, we have some that we sow to the future, and some that we eat in the present. And the balanced Christian life is you do both. You're giving and you're receiving. You're giving and you're growing in your capacity to eat. And so we ha- God gives us both. And it's, we don't sow everything and then die. And we don't eat everything and then have no harvest in the next season. I'll never forget years and years ago, Kathy and I were in Bible school... And, uh, well, it wasn't that many years ago. That sounded bad. Years and years ago, you know, before there were phones, but before there were cell phones, we, uh, there was a, a missionary that w- had come to, to speak at our school, and he was talking about that verse that says, He who goes forth uh, sowing precious, weeping, sowing precious seed shall come forth rejoicing, carrying his sheaves with him. 
And he said that in our culture, our Western culture, we really don't understand what that word, that, that verse means. He said, but if you go over to some of these nations that he had worked in, he had worked in Africa and some of these nations that were just stricken with famine again and again, he said, you really understand what that means because what these, these families will do is when it comes to harvest time, there'll be this rejoicing because now they get to eat three times a day and there are big feasts and celebrations and they eat three times a day. And then as the day, year goes on, sometimes they got to go down to two times a day and then one time a day, but the dad will always hold seed off to the side. And he'll hide that in, in one of the sheds, one of the huts, so that they have something that will sustain him into the next season. He said, it's not uncommon for the children who are starving and their little bellies begin to swell to find that sack of seed and say, Dad, Dad, I found something for us to eat. We don't, we don't have to starve. We don't, our bellies don't have to hurt. And the dad with tears in his eyes will say, you don't understand. This is what stands between us and death. We don't get to eat this. We've got to sow this because this is the guarantee of the future. And he said, it's in that context that a dad with with the little kids who don't understand why won't dad let us eat? He's got this bag of food and instead he's throwing it to the wind and he's going and he's sowing seed and he's weeping as the seed goes into the air and hits the ground. But it's only because he's sown that he will come back reaping with Joy because he has sheaves. And it's that principle that we're not to eat everything that we receive. There is bread. God, it's, look at what it says. It says, God, now he who supplies, who's that? God. He who supplies two things, seed to the sower and food will supply two things, an increase of your store of seed. So he said he's going to supply seed for you for the, to give. And he's going to supply bread for you to eat. And then he will also supply an increase of both your food and your seed for sowing. So you can have a larger crop. You can feed more people. Because not only is your bread growing. Not only what you get to eat grows. God does want you to prosper. God wants you to have more than enough. The Old Testament is a picture. In Egypt, it was a picture of the bondage, the grinding poverty of slavery. And they had just enough. Then they went into the promised land. Or into the the Exodus, you know. they, They had that just enough getting by. And then it was in the promised land that they had more than enough. But there was an added dimension. They had to cooperate with the process. Now they would produce out of their labors. And they would have more than enough. It was the promised land of abundance. And yes, they would reap from fields they did not till the first year. (laughs) And after that, they'd have to begin to till. And so there was this, this, uh, this, this provision that God gives us. So he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed, and then listen to what it says, will will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Notice he doesn't say of bread. it's, It's clear he's juxtaposing these two things, seed and bread, but instead of saying bread, he says righteousness. There is a reaping of righteousness that we can enter into through giving. There's a grace... That produces righteousness. It's a grace for giving 
that produces righteousness in our life. And one of the avenues by which that happens is through our giving. Through our finances. And so the Apostle Paul says under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He says he's going to test the sincerity of their love by the offering received. That principle still holds true today. God looks at our giving. And as your pastor, I want to encourage you, don't give in to this spirit of the age where there are legitimate messages that have been taken outside of their boundaries and excused us from our responsibility as believers. That we are all called to do our part. You know, Pastor Joshua over at Amani, wonderful man of God. He... uh, He's had me come over there and teach series on tithing and stuff. And, but he found that there was, there was one of the nations, I forget which one it was, and if I did remember, I wouldn't say, but there's one of the African nations. They have a number of African nations uh, represented in their congregation, like, like 12 or something like that. But anyways, one of them, this teaching on how tithing is not for today has really gotten traction within that nation. And so these people said, no, we, you know, that, that's under the law. We're not, we don't do that. So Joshua said, okay. Then what we're going to do then is we're going to have another program. For those of you that believe in tithing, give your tenth. He said, for those of you that don't, we had another program called Your Fair Share. And literally on their envelopes, it says, Fair Share Program. And people, and, and you know what? The people that had an issue with tithing were more than willing to do their fair share. And so they gave under that guise. You know what? That's the spirit of the tithe. Paul says it in here. It's not that you give according to what you don't have, but that there's equity across the board. That's why God instilled within the the, the foundation of Israeli society that you support with the tenth. And so I want to encourage you this morning. Realize the Bible speaks a lot about finance. And your finances matter to God. And God does watch your finances. Because it's connected to your heart. And Paul could say, with the authority of the Holy Spirit, that he's going to test love by testing giving. Amen? Let's pray. Father, Lord, I'm asking God that you would do a work in our heart, God. That you would open up the eyes of our understanding in this area of finance. Lord, I'm asking God that you would give us great revelation as a house. That we would be a house of both prosperity and generosity. And Lord, that we would be a house of strength when it comes to finances. Lord, that we could spread it across the earth. You've been listening to a presentation from Heartland Church in Ankeny, Iowa. For more information about our ministry and its available resources, visit us on the web at heartlandchurchonline.com. Thanks for listening.